Good morning, Boston. How's everybody doing? So, today on Black Superhero, I decided that I would read a very interesting article from The Atlantic. Uh, This article was published a couple of days ago, so it's still fairly new. Uh, But I think... The topic of it uh, is uh, is so strong and it's worth sharing. So it's written by this constitutional law professor out of the University of Baltimore. His name is Garrett Epps, E-P-P-S. And the title of the article is What Pleases Trump Has the Force of Law. So I begin. In my long career as an academic jack of all trades, I sometimes teach law students jurisprudence, that is, philosophy of law. The course begins with the question, what is law? And as corollary, what is lawlessness? The latter comes in two flavors. The first is anarchy. Remember Hobbes, war of all against all. A Mad Max moonscape in which all only stealth and brute force provide even a semblance of safety. Such situations existed for millennia and though relatively rare, exist in remote parts of the globe today. But there is a certain type of lawlessness that is far more common in the 21st century. And next time I teach the course, I will have the most precise example of this second version I have never seen. The dispute over 26 U.S. Code 6103F Section 1 reads, Upon written request from the Chairman of the Committee of the Ways and Means of the House of Representatives, the chairman of the committee of finance of the Senate or the chairman of the joint committee on taxation. The secretary of treasury shall furnish such committee with any return or return information specified in such request subject only to a requirement that the return be considered in closed session. Served with a proper demand for Representative Richard Neal, the Ways and Means Committee Chair, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin responded, I have determined that the committee's request lacks a legitimate legislative purpose and therefore would not comply. (laughs) Let's begin at the beginning, shall we? To paraphrase Joe Pesci and my cousin Vinny, Section 6103 is what we lawyers call a statue. It was adopted by Congress as a part of the Tax Reform Act of 1976. The final city vote on the bill was 81 to 1. In the House, it was 405 to 2. 
It was signed by President Gerald Ford under the United States Constitution, Article 6, Section 2. It, like all statutes, is the supreme law of the land. It contains no provision requiring a legislative purpose at all. That's not an oversight. Congress isn't always legislating. It has other functions. One of them is to investigate officials and even private citizens, which has been part of Congress's mission since its since 1790. I can't find any mention of legislative purpose in the statute's legislative history. The Senate report notes only that the Congressional Committee would continue to have access to returns and return information. Nor is legislative purpose mentioned in the two Office of Legal Counsel opinions I have found that deals with the disclosure of returns to congressional committees. While Congress was concerned about the city's right to privacy, it was also concerned about the government's need for the tax information and was very much aware of its own needs. An opinion stated in 1977, the legislative reports in addressing this issue simply state the committee will have access to, to tax information upon written requests of their respective chairman. Finally, the text contains no provision empowering the Secretary of Treasury to determine whether such a request is legitimate. It says, shall furnish. The law response is, here they are. The lawlessness answer is, I personally don't think you have a good reason to ask. A private citizen who gave such an answer to a lawful order would be headed to jail. Mnuchin's defiance is a piece with the administration's utterly unprecedented claim that executive privilege permits it to refuse to provide documents or testimony whenever it suits the president. Though not mentioned in the Constitution, executive privilege over the years has evolved to protect a few classes of information, namely military and law enforcement secrets, for example, um, specified advice provided by officials directed to the president, and certain internal deliberations over policy. But except in those limited cases, the executive is expected to provide information at the request of Congress and the courts. Sometimes these disputes require negotiation to reach a balance between Congress, between what Congress seeks and what the president feels able to reveal. Since the George Washington administration, the most common result has been compromise, though sometimes the fight turns ugly. A former official such as Attorney General Eric Holder and White House Counsel Harriet Myers find out when different Congresses held them in contempt for defying subpoenas. No president I know of has asserted a blanket pop has asserted blanket power to reject 
any request that doesn't suit him until Donald Trump. No president I know of has rejected requests on the grounds that the committee requesting is controlled by Democrats until Donald Trump. The ongoing battle between the administration and the House committee is not at heart a legal dispute at all. It's an assertion by a president that the law and the Constitution are simply irrelevant when they conflict with his will. The administration's contempt for statute is not limited to its disputes with Congress. Statute 8 U.S. Code 1158 states, any alien who is physically present in the United States or who arrives in the United States, whether or not at a designated port of arrival and including any alien who is brought to the United States after having been indicted in international or United States waters, irrespective of such alien statutes, may apply for asylum. Critics often rightly criticize congressional draftsmen as unclear, but this particular provision isn't. Any alien, whether or not at a designated port of arrival. And yet, the Trump administration new asylum regulation says that any alien not at a port of entry may not receive asylum. Congress said may apply. Trump said may not. This is the climate of law in 2019. If a president obstructs justice, it's not illegal because you see, he doesn't like being investigated. If Congress refuses to appropriate funds for a border wall, build it anyway. If a certain act forbids use of military and immigration enforcement, urge soldiers to shoot migrants anyway. If the Administration Procedure Act requires a notice and common procedure before change of regulations, skip the procedure and announce it anyway. If a racist sheriff gets caught harassing Latinos, pardon him, urge police to beat suspects, urge crowds to shoot immigrants. If a federal trial court rules against a Trump business, attack the judge as Mexican. If a federal judge against the trap, if, if, if a federal judge rules against a travel ban, attack the so-called judge. If a court of appeal agrees about the travel ban, threaten to abolish it. If another judge halts the asylum rules, call him an Obama judge. If the chief justice mildly protests that the judiciary is independent, tell him he's wrong. The Trump administration aspires to be the first of the post-legal era. It lives by a principle enunciated 2,000 years ago by the Roman jurist 
old pain. That's U-L-P-I-A-N. So for those of you out there who actually know how to pronounce that, you know, um, please forgive me. So, and relied upon by tyrants. So the bottom line is, this has been around for 2,000 years, and this is the first person who did it. This Roman jurist, a jurist, he's the one who started tyranny. And it's this um, quote that I can't, I will not even try to pronounce, but what it translates to is what pleases the prince has the force of law. So that's the quote of this Roman jurist. Um, and he he lived by that. And we, we see this with Trump, obviously. Um, so the article goes on. The formal precursor to the age of post-legality was the post-norm era. This began in 2016 with a decision by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to block the Senate from considering President Barack Obama's nomination of Merrick Garland for a vacancy on the Supreme Court. Remember that? I know I do. Oh, it still burns me up. Learned commentators rushed to explain that because the Constitution didn't say in so many words the Senate has to act on a presidential nomination, the Senate had no duty to do anything at all. The Washington Post fact guru Glenn Kessler said that since the the Republican majority can, in effect, do what it wants unless it becomes politically uncomfortable, McConnell critics had no leg to stand on, no duty to consider a nomination, can be found in text, history, or practice, proclaimed the conservative oracle Josh Blackman. The fact is, the duty to vote up or down on presidential nomination was a constitutional norm, an unwritten practice for its decades. Today, with the eager assistance of the legal right, the norm sleeps with the fishes. After the Garland victory, the new administration and its Senate allies revoked other norms, such as Congress oversight rule, role, such as Congress's oversight role and the executive branch's duty to respond to it. The prince decided what Congress may consider and what it may not. Without norms, the Constitution is toothless. The Constitution doesn't, for example, say that Congress must create an army and a navy or appropriate any funds for any purpose at all. It doesn't say that the Supreme Court has to decide on the constitutionality of laws or hear cases at all. It doesn't say that there must be a Justice Department or that it must prosecute federal crime or that attorney general need to follow the law or that judicial nominees must support Brown versus the Board of Education. The Constitution doesn't say that officials have to tell the truth to the public. All of those things are norms. And without them, the system will harden 
into an autocracy with alarming speed. A decade or so ago, I spent a part of the summer advising a Chinese news magazine about American law. As I was preparing to leave Beijing, I had a farewell dinner with one of the magazine's younger reporters. More or less, out of the blue, she asked me the meaning of the phrase, rule of law. I answered that rule of law meant that the government and the people existed within a binding legal framework and that both respected the decisions of legislators and courts, even when they disagreed with them. She seemed taken aback by my answer. Rule of law means that law binds the sovereign, she asked. I said, yes. After a long minute, she said, that would never work in China. At that time, many outsiders were hopeful that China would evolve towards a democracy. <laughs> Ten years on, it has not. China has a constitution. It has laws, lawyers, courts galore. But none of those things bind the government of Jing, their president. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce your name. Um, But none of those things bind the government of their ruler. Whether it's kidnapping Hong Kong bookstore owners or pinning um, them in concentration camps. Rule of law in China means that rulers command and the people obey. The justice system exists more and more only to effectuate those commands and demand that obedience. The United States could find itself in a similar place much sooner than its people would like to think. And that's the end of the article. So that article... Uh, had a lot of great stuff in it. I don't like the way that article ended. Uh, it ended with a real whimper. Uh, I think that he makes a really good uh, valid points throughout it when we talk about how Trump is really stretching the Constitution. He's 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 above the law and he's getting away with it. Uh, and how long are we going to allow that? So uh, tell me what you think about the the reading. Uh, I know I had a, a couple of bumps in the road in that reading. Um, but, um, you know, give me some honest feedback. Uh, I love to try to continue to do other readings if I can um, that I find interesting where I can really get them get into them. So, um let me know how it did. Let me know how, uh, how, what you think of the, the article and what you thought about my reading of the article. All right. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye.